Well, we are going to get back into our series of Thy Kingdom Come. Thy Kingdom Come. I hope you are ready. If not, too bad, because we're going anyways. Uh, Jesus, he talked a lot about the kingdom in his lifetime. And our first several messages reveal that the kingdom that he talked about was not a restoration of the ancient Israeli kingdom, nor was Jesus preparing everyone for an earthly kingdom that he would one day set up after the church was raptured out. That's not what we're talking about here, and one that would last for a thousand years. We talked about how this kingdom was not something that God and Jesus just concocted as some believe that his plan A was to set up his kingdom here on earth. But the Jews and the Pharisees, they thwarted that. So he had to go to a plan B. We don't believe that he had a plan B. God only has a plan A and plan A only, church. So uh, we do not believe that he set this up after they rejected his kingdom. No, this kingdom was actually prophesied 600 years before Jesus came. He revealed it to Daniel through a Babylonian king's dream. A dream that showed us that God had planned all along to set up a kingdom. A kingdom that would not last for a thousand years, but a kingdom that would reign forever from everlasting to everlasting. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. It's not something that you or I can see or observe. Instead, Jesus said the kingdom he came to establish would what be within you. It is a present-day reality, praise the Lord. It's a kingdom of the heart. As Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God, we also talked about just a quick year-end review here, so to speak. Uh, We talked about how uh, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like one when he finds a treasure, he buries it. Or it's like the one who finds the pearl of great price. And what does that mean? When you find the kingdom of God, when you become a part of the kingdom of God, you will sell everything you have. You will give everything that you have just to be a part of this glorious kingdom that Jesus set up. And simply put, the kingdom of God is the spiritual realm in which Jesus Christ rules and reigns over the hearts and the lives of those who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. That is the kingdom of God, folks. So we're going to transition with that this morning. I believe that we have a picture of what the kingdom of God is. And if we believe that the kingdom of God is all of that, all that we've just talked about, Folks, it would be impossible for the kingdom of God not to have a dramatic effect on how we live our life. I didn't think I'd get too many amens on that one. You hired me to preach the truth, right? You hired me to preach the truth, right? All right. We're going we're to talk about the truth. He called me, brother, to preach the truth. That's right. Hired is just another way of saying you called us, called me to preach the truth. So here we go. 
if we are truly going to be citizens within the kingdom of God, we have to live like citizens of the kingdom of God. So here we go. Um, I was thinking of, of this. Uh, can you imagine if um, um, you were not able to get rid of your trash? Have you ever? You probably have never thought about that, have you? I mean, we're just so accustomed to, with us, it's, uh, we set the trash out on Tuesday night, and on Wednesday morning they come and get it. We don't even think about it. We just know that they're going to come and get our trash. But have you ever thought about what would happen if you could not get rid of your trash? How many of you have seen those shows uh, about hoarders? Hoarders? Oh, my word, yeah. Uh, it just makes me my skin crawl whenever I watch stuff like that. Um, and I can't imagine the stench and the smell and the filth that some people live with. But if we could not get rid of our trash, you can only imagine. Or how about if even this morning at church or at home you go to your faucet and you turn the, 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 the handle and no water comes out. Or you go to take a shower and there's no water comes out of the shower. Or you go to flush the, uh, the toilet and there's no water there to take that. Well, you know what I'm saying. You see, one of the privileges of being an American citizen is that someone comes every Wednesday to take my trash away. Right? And uh, um, one of the privileges of being a citizen within the United States is that when you turn the spigot, the, the, the water comes on, or you have a shower, the water's there. Or, um, that's one of the benefits of living in America. But if you want these benefits, what do you have to do? You better pay your water and your sewer bill, right? You have to if you want to be a citizen here. If we want to get in our car and just go anywhere that we want to go in the world, um, or anywhere in the United States, go anywhere we want, we can do that as long as we obey the traffic laws of the land. If a burglar comes into our house, or there's some kind of a medical emergency, or if there's a fire in our home, we expect the police to come. We expect the EMTs, or we expect the fire department to come. These are perks of living within America, but in order to have those perks, we need to make sure we're paying our taxes. I recently saw a story um, about an immigrant who not only failed to keep his citizenship current and up to date, but this individual had also committed several crimes. Thus, he lost his citizenship and the privilege of being an American and let me say it like this. There are too many people who think they have a right in this country. It is an honor and a privilege to live in the United States of America. It is a right and an honor. One cannot simply enter this country and just fail to abide by the laws and everything that have been put in place. It is an honor here. But living in America will mean it will impact how you live your daily life. Folks, this is the same basic principle that I'm trying to get across as it pertains to citizenship within the kingdom of God. It is an honor and it is a privilege to be a citizen within the kingdom of God. One cannot simply enter by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, but then live however they want to live. Being a citizen must have an impact on how we live. We cannot go back to life as usual. We cannot go back to our old life. 
and expect to stay within the good graces of the king of the kingdom. So we're, this morning we're transitioning. Brian always comes up to me before the service and says, what's your title this morning? And for the last several weeks we've been talking about how God's kingdom has indeed come. We've talked about what the kingdom is and what the kingdom isn't when it came into existence and how one can enter into it. But now I kind of want to turn a corner in this series and talk about how we should be living, how the kingdom should affect our lives. Today we're going to start about kingdom living. It's about living in the kingdom of God. The Greek word for kingdom is that word right there, basilia. That word basilia means rule or authority. Now, when you think about the kingdom, there's going just to be a natural progression. There's going to be a natural order that takes place within this. At first, you have a kingdom. And if there's a kingdom, that means there must be a king, one who rules and one who has authority. We know that Jesus said in Matthew 28, for all authority and all power has been given unto me. So there we have our king. And if there is a kingdom and if there is a king, then that must be, be, there must be citizens within that kingdom. Citizens who live in the kingdom and are subject to the rule and reign of the king. Those citizens who want to live in the kingdom of God need to abide by the regulations established by the king. Guidelines that govern the relationship between the king and his citizens. Listen, by the grace of the king, you and I have been partakers of the benefits of this kingdom. What are they? We receive salvation in Jesus Christ. We've received a life and life more abundant. We have received life eternal. We are now subjects of the king and the kingdom. And because of that, every aspect of our life needs to be about kingdom living. I said every aspect. Not 99.9%, but every aspect of our life needs to be about the kingdom. This series has just really opened my eyes to really what the kingdom is all about. Matthew said in, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. Well, we could just camp out there for a little while and look at that. It tells us that as citizens, we are to first be seeking out our righteousness, his righteousness. But what we often do is we kind of get this messed up, don't we? We, uh, we spend the majority of our time seeking after these things instead of seeking after His righteousness. What are these things? These things are things that you and I want. Say amen or ouch to that. But they are things that you and I want. Earlier in verse 19, it says how easy it is to get caught up in pursuing wealth and the treasures on earth where moth and rust can, can break in or can steal or, or the thieves can break in and steal. The moth and rust can destroy and corrupt. 
But verse 25 reminds us that we are not to worry about the temporal, but we are to worry about the eternal. I watch a show on TV. I've talked to some of you about it, but it's pretty fascinating. It's called Strange Inheritance. Anybody seen that show, Strange Inheritance? Kathy, all right. Okay, you're the only person, Kathy, that, that there's something going on here. I don't know what that is. Uh, some of you have seen that. Strange Inheritance, what it is, it's a show about um, people who have spent their entire life practically um, holding on to an inheritance or, or creating or making something that they are just totally consumed with. And then when they pass away, their inheritance passes on to the next of kin or their relative or a friend or whatever. And then this person is stuck not knowing what to do with this. And it's amazing, it's amazing what people will do over their obsessions. Right, Kathy? Uh, there was a lady who uh, spent 30, 40-some years or 30-some years in the airline business. She, she traveled around the world collecting beads. Uh, collector beads from different countries and different nations. I don't, don't quote me on all these amounts, but I believe that when she passed those on to her family, they auctioned them off, and I think it was worth a couple hundred thousand dollars just for these beads. Uh, there was another gentleman who spent his entire life um, making a dinosaur theme park out on the West Coast. Someone else uh, spent their entire life just making handmade weapons, um, what else? There was another, another man who spent his entire life just making little replica models of Civil War ships. And, and they said on the program that it greatly affected his marriage. Fascinating stories, things that people will just give their entire life to. And the thing that's very interesting, the, the lady who hosted at the very end of the show, and she says, and remember... You can't take it with you. Now, we look at stories like that and we're, we're like, wow, why would people do things like that? But then we need to look at ourselves. And how often are we spending and how often am I spending the majority of our time on these things? When Jesus wants us to be all about kingdom living. doesn't mean we can't have hobbies doesn't mean that we can't enjoy various things in life. That's not what I'm saying. But kingdom living. Arnold, Arnold Palmer, have a hard time saying that name. Uh, he just recently passed away, just one of the great golfers of all time. He absolutely loved the Masters Golf Tournament down in Augusta, Georgia. And um, he won it four times, and he just he obsessed over the Masters Golf Tournament. And, and a reporter one time asked him, why, why do you obsess? Why have you loved the Masters Golf Tournament so much? He said, why? He said, why do I love to breathe? And I thought to myself, it's, it's okay to have hobbies, but he lived his life. I don't know where he was with the Lord. I'm not pronouncing judgment on his soul, but you see what I'm saying here? And I'm speaking to myself as well. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why, why do I breathe? Am I breathing to serve my Lord? Am I breathing, am I existing to be a citizen within the kingdom of God? 
You see, every single one of us here today, we have an agenda. We all have an agenda. We all have things that we want to do, places that we want to go, people to see, things to do. And, but if we're not careful, our agenda will trump God's agenda. If we'll seek those things that he wants, I have an idea that he'll provide those other things in due time as well, church. You know, he, he wants us to, to get our agenda, to get our priorities in the right place. And I don't know how this is hitting you. I don't, I don't know. This might be just hitting one person. I don't know. But if we get our agenda, if we get our priorities in the right place, he'll take care of all of those other things. I know you've read this before, but take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 37, a popular verse. Psalm 37. And we could camp out here for a little while as well. Some of you may even know the verse I'm going to refer to here. Just a couple of verses, Psalm 37, beginning with verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness and your justice as the noon day. What does that mean? We all have desires. Every single one of us came in here this morning with desires. But only you can determine if those desires are righteous or unrighteous, if those desires are selfish and carnal, or if they're of the Lord. But... But I think what he's trying to tell us here, if you make Jesus your goal and Jesus your aim, something crazy is going to begin to happen inside of your heart. All of a sudden, your desires are going to change. All of a sudden, those things that you used to want, the things that used to captivate your mind and your attention no longer hold a specialness in your heart. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And the more time you spend with him. Yesterday, I had to go to Zanesville for a meeting, and um, I spent the entire time listening to David Constantopoulos' flute music. And um, I just spent that time in worship and praise and prayer. And I found the things that were occupying my mind just kind of faded. And what I found is that I wanted more of him. You know what I mean? I just wanted more of his presence, Dave. My problem is is I don't put myself in positions enough to receive more of his presence. I get too busy doing this and doing that that my desires have been on other things. I've talked to my father-in-law a couple of times, and, and Chuck has said he's realized, he's noticed the older he gets, the things that he thought were once important, no longer important. The things that he thought he once really wanted, delight yourself in the Lord. 
And he'll give you the desires of your heart. You see, delight yourself with the things of the kingdom. The things of the kingdom. It's getting awful quiet in here. Are you all with me this morning? You know what I'm trying to say? Hmm. And here's the problem that so many of us go through. So many people in church today struggle because they're seeking or they're asking, oh, hear me on this, they're asking the king to bless their agenda rather than blessing the king by getting on his agenda. Let me say that again. So many people are struggling because they're asking the king to bless their agenda rather than blessing the king by getting on his agenda. This is causing havoc in lives all across the church and in the world, individual hearts and lives and marriages and families. And you see, instead of the church impacting society, right, the society is impacting the church. Then when society breaks down, I'm not going to get up on a tangent here. I'm not going to go different rabbit holes. But there was a day in time to where the world would come to the church looking for answers. There was a day. Kind of maybe some golden years of the church, 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. Now I know that Jesus says, go ye therefore. That that's really who we need to be about. We can't just expect people always come through the doors. He told us to go ye therefore. And make disciples out of all nations. But there was a time to where the world would come to the church seeking for answers. That's not happening anymore. Culture, society has changed. There's, uh, there's been too much abuse within the church, too many scandals. People look at pastors differently. They look at the church differently and they're not coming anymore. And we're not living kingdom-wise. We're not living in the kingdom. We're not seeking first his righteousness. And what's happening, it's affecting how we're impacting the culture. The culture's impacting us. And so when the culture really needs help, they're not coming to us anymore. They're going to other things. And and all along, the kingdom of God and the word of God is saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Hmm. I'm telling you, kingdom living should affect every area of of our lives. It should affect where we work. It should affect where we live, who we marry. Say amen or outs to that. It should affect what we give our money to, what we give our time to. And it should affect where we give our free time. And kingdom living, hang in there with me, should even affect how we vote. If you were sl- that's right. If you were asleep before, you're not asleep now. I'm not trying to be political this morning, but think about it, folks. If our agenda is God's agenda, it will affect even how we vote. It will It'll affect how we vote. You see, the kingdom of God, kingdom living, goes beyond party affiliations. It goes beyond, well, this is, what, this is how mom and dad voted my, our entire life, and I'm going to vote like that. Kingdom living changes everything. It impacts every area of our life. Because every decision that we make should be made by the principles and the values of the kingdom of God. Look, God only has one plan, and that is to advance his kingdom. That's it. And he wants to use you and me to advance it. 
Jesus is the absolute ruler of his domain, which encompasses all of creation. His authority is total. Everything God rules, he runs. Even when it doesn't look like he's running it. I know we look at this world and it just seems like it's totally out of control. Even when life seems out of control, God is running its out of controlness because he's sovereign over all and everyone. And at the heart of this kingdom agenda philosophy is the fact, now hear me on this, that there should be no separation between the sacred and the secular. What does that mean? What it means is we don't live one way at church and another way at home. All of life is spiritual, and since all of life is to come under God's role, everything should fall under kingdom living. Everything. Therefore, every issue we deal with, social, political, economic, educational, environmental, governmental, everything should mirror God's principles. That's why I I, I cannot stand up here and endorse any candidate. I never have done that. But I will say this. I believe it is our responsibility to put people in office who most closely identify with God's principles. God's kingdom agenda. Because all of life It's affected by the kingdom. All of it. In this kingdom, Jesus Christ is king. He is sovereign over everything. We already talked about this verse earlier. When Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he said in Corinthians this, He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. That's kingdom living right there. What I could have done is just had you come in here, turn to Colossians 1, 15 through 18, let's read it, let's say amen and go home. But that's kingdom living right there. Colossians 1.13 tells us this, He has delivered us from the power of the darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. This tells us that there should be a change of kingdoms once we become citizens within the kingdom of God. Once we have entered the kingdom of His love, He then wants us to represent Him and the values of his kingdom. And just to clear any confusion up, there are only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of Satan. And you're either in one or the other. There's no in-between. You're in either one or the other. You're a citizen of one, or you're a citizen of the other. In the coming weeks, we're going to explore really what is kingdom living. 
And our journey begins on a Palestinian mountain beginning next week. And I hope you come back for that as our king begins to explain to us what kingdom living is all about. I want to read to you this morning just a little story in closing that I think illustrates really what our position should be within the kingdom. This is a story about a man who needed to get his shoe repaired. And he rushed to the shoe repair shop only to arrive there at exactly 5 p.m. Scanning the parking lot, he noticed that it was empty, indicating that apparently there was no one around. Knowing he would not have another opportunity to go to the shop for some time, he headed to the door to see if by chance um, there was someone still there. To his surprise, the shoe repairman was still there. Quote, I didn't think anyone was here, the man said, relieved. You came just in time, the shoe repairman replied. I was almost ready to go home. Remembering the empty parking lot, the man asked, how are you going to go home? I didn't see any cars out front. Oh, that's easy, the repairman said. Do you see those stairs over there? He pointed to the corner of the shop. The man looked and noticed the stairs, and he nodded. I live up there, said the repairman, but I just work down here. That's it. Folks, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, we live up there. We live within the kingdom of God. We live within the spiritual realm of God's kingdom so that we can work down here, so that we can promote his kingdom, so that we can go out through those doors and we can be citizens of the kingdom, so that we can be about kingdom living. For we live up there so we can work down here. Would you bow your heads, please? Father God, Lord, we've, we've uh, talked about some exciting things over the last few weeks. There's been some things about kingdom living that has excited us about the kingdom and what it is and what it isn't and talked about the marvelous revelation that you gave to Daniel and how the kingdom would be established by a stone that was cut without hands. We know that's reference to you, Jesus, and the kingdom that you established. And we talked about how when we accept you as Lord and Savior, we have found the pearl of great price. We have found that treasure, God, that we are willing to sell everything that we have in order to have. Lord, now that we have accepted you and now that we are in the kingdom, it is going to impact everything about who we are. What we think about, what we dream about, the things that we fret over and the things that we spend our time on, the things that we spend our money on and the things that we're consumed with. God, I pray that you would help us all this morning to be consumed with you. Help me, God, in my journey to be consumed with you because you want us to be about the kingdom. Lord, thank you for speaking to us this morning. Lord, if there's someone here that 
they're either not in the kingdom or they've not been living as a citizen of the kingdom. God, I pray that they don't leave until they do business with you. Lord, we come to this point and we, we give that opportunity, Lord, to allow you to move in the hearts and lives of people this morning. Lord, thank you. Lord, we want to serve you this morning with all that we have. Thank you for who you are. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please?